What we found out that even where foreign flows dwindle and affect the exchange, you can count on your diaspora because they are somehow obligated to remit money to your country to support their families. Others are investing in farms, they are doing one or two activities. So under circumstances like that, you want to rely on your diaspora. Hello, family. You are listening to Concrete Pastures Podcast. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For anyone who is new on our platform, this is a space that allows myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of an immigrant status. We unlike the joys, the laughs, and the bravery that being a dreamer brings. So subscribe, like, share, and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. I am extremely excited and honored. Our guest today, oh my God, his excellence is here. And uh, I'm happy to let you know, guys, we have our Zambian ambassador here, His Excellency Chibamba Kanyama. Welcome, sir. Good, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to feature on Concrete Futures. Yes, no, it's such an honor to have you here. Thank you for making time for us. And um, I'm so excited. You are my countryman my um, fellow Zambian. Like I said, you are our representative here. You are joining me from Washington, D.C., right? Yes, yes. Oh, very I'm nice. I'm from the embassy. Um, this, this, this is our office here, though we are moving in the next uh, three weeks to our chancery. She has undergone renovation. So we, we were renting. We've been renting this property and we are now finished with our, our own chancery. Oh, wow. We now own our own place? We are going back to our own place, which has been redone refurbished and uh, Zambians will be proud of it. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. From time to time, I come to Washington, D.C. I'll make sure to pass by to the new offices. Yes, you're most welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So for starters, I mean, we just want to get to know you a little bit. Um, Like what were the fun times and moments that you remember growing up in Zambia? Just to get our viewers and listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, I grew up in three provinces. My very early childhood. I spent it in uh, Chikankata, where I'm born, uh, the southern province of Zambia. And oh. um, I do remember heading Kentu as a, as a young boy, little, little boy, starting my grade one at Chikankata Primary School in uh, 1973. Um, yeah, that was way back. And then um, four years later, my elder brother took me to Mongo. And uh, I was at Mwitwiwamba Primary School, which is about uh, seven kilometers east of uh, uh, Mongo. Some people have been to Western province know much about Sefula. So Mutuamba is between Mongo and Sefula. And that's where I did my uh, school. Um, so I enjoyed the fishing, going into the Zambezi. Uh, I do remember the boat capsizing in the middle of the Zambezi because of the high current and I had my shoes on. I couldn't swim properly. Uh, my brother helped me to cross the river and uh, we were safely um, off, off the danger zone of the crocodiles. So I, I think I had my most exciting childhood day 
days in, in Mongo. Uh, I, I loved speaking uh, Silozi. I think that is your tribe as well, your language. Uh, yeah. I'm much more confident in Silozi than I am in my own language talk. talk. So oh, I, think, wow. I think for me, so, and I do miss Mongo a lot. I like the Mongo fish and nobody's bringing it for me here in the USA. That's what I miss the most. Just eating my Mongo fish and I say, well, when I go back to Zambia from the airport, I'll sleep one night at my home and the following day I just want to drive all the way to Mongo. Just want to go and, and sit on the plains, the plain, beautiful oh plains between Mongo and Kalabo. There's a nice road there, nice bridge. I've been there before. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. You, I, <laughs> my cheeks are hurting because you're giving me a lot of memory lane. There's Zambezi River. <laughs> I, I, I'm like terrified. You know, I don't even know how yeah. to swim because of the Zambezi yeah. River. The, you know, the crocodiles yes. are just right there. So I don't even know yeah. how. That's great. Yeah. Eh? And then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Fula, my grandmother used to live in Fula. Uh, my my oh, dad's okay. side, they come from there. And um, I, I, lived, I lived most of my childhood in Mongo. So it's a lot of uh, memories for me. Yeah. The same. I love the fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lady. I, I, yes. I, there's a Zambia lady that sells um, fish here. So Mongo you should have fish. some fish. Yes. Please. yes. Please, please, please. I need it as, as quickly as yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get you connected. <laughs> you, you tell her, I, I want uh, I want I want Mbufu um, <laughs> I want Mbufu I want Njinji uh, oh my God. I, want, uh, I don't know Mubesi, if she has that much I don't know, uh, I, don't know. I want I want Ngwe I want Ngweshi but I don't like Goma Munyandi oh my God I don't know if she has that, those names I only know <laughs> if she has the brim fish that's it and the Kapenta and then the other stuff I don't yeah. know I don't eat those neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh good, my god. Good. So how long have you been here in the US? I'm six, skipping ahead. Six months. Um I, I've been here six months, but as you know, I was here before. Um mm. I went uh, international monetary fund. So I was here twenty fourteen up to the end of twenty sixteen and then moved back to Zambia twenty seventeen. So I, I lived in Alexandria. My my family loves the place so much. So every Sunday we drive there. That's where our church is in Alexandria. We go there yeah. and uh, we just the memories of the place we love so much. Uh, and we go there every Sunday. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. So you as yeah. our representative, yeah. you've been here now six months and yeah. I think we all would love to know as our representative what your mission is. Because a lot of the times we do see our ambassadors come in and out of uh, the US or whatever country uh, the, our Zambians are and we don't truly know what your focus is and your mission? Well, my mission is, is well outlined in the strategic plan for the embassy, which will be launched in January. We just finished our strategic plan for the next three years and outlines the mission. We want to enhance the relationship with the US government. As you know that uh, we have had a tricky relationship since uh, 2018 until 2021. We had no ambassador from USA to, to Zambia. Now the position has been elevated back to ambassador. So we look at how do we enhance this relationship. This is a very big country. This is really the first, the topmost uh, global economic leader and huge influence globally. And you want to maintain a healthy relationship. It's a, it's a win-win for the 
for Zambia and the US. So that's my top priority. And, and two, within there, we're calling it economic diplomacy. We want to drive the economic diplomacy. This is the most developed economy in the world uh, with a GDP close to $30 trillion. And this is huge. When you compare with ours, it's, it's very small. Uh, there are huge opportunities now because of the supply chain challenges that the USA government is facing, but with uh, strategic and critical minerals. Um, how do we leverage this uh, as Zambia? How do we harvest from this opportunity? Mm -hmm. We want a win-win. Unlike previous, what we was called the scramble for Africa, where the continent was demarcated and ex exploited of its natural resources, mm -hmm. this is a different arrangement. Personally, I don't call it investment. We are not looking for investors. We are looking for partners who shall work with us and live better than they found us. So that is the aim. So we, we want to explore these areas in economic diplomacy, engaging with the very strategic institutions, engaging with uh, <laughs> strategic businesses, and going across all sectors. Uh, from the uh, the uh, from the energy uh, side, infrastructure development, um, value chain developing uh, industries, which we recommend manufacturing, agriculture, tourism, all these are in one. We're really putting them in. This is our very big up, uh, chance for us. My other pro priority is the diaspora welfare. I want diaspora to believe in their government through this embassy, the work of the embassy. So we are proud prioritizing diaspora for two key reasons. On one hand, we want to ensure that they are safe, they're taken care of here when they're in the USA. They feel their government looks after their welfare. They get sick, they get challenges, they get jailed. Whatever happened to them, we want to be closer to our people. This is uh, the embassy, is their country within a country. They must feel safe with us. So that's one dimension of what to do with the diaspora. On the other hand, it is what I believe, what I've, I've coined it, the diaspora, our law lying fruit, yeah, to get results we want from the U.S. economy. We should take advantage, fully leverage those who don't just understand our country, but those who are actually part of the country. These are, these are Zambian nationals operating here. They have been here for quite a long time. People like yourself, who's been here for 20 plus years, you understand the landscape of this country. You have got your own network. Well, some of them are highly profitable networks for us. So we want to tap into your networks. And the only way we can reach most of those networks who don't know Zambia is by working with Zambians who are known by them. Some of our diaspora work in those companies, <laughs> those organizations, others network on different platforms. They, they know what they are looking for. So we want to collaborate with our Zambian nationals in the USA, harvest back to Zambia. And the third one I want to add on why we calling them the law lines. We've discovered that um, the diaspora are the easiest safeguard, the easiest, um, what I want to call the insurance uh, in terms of capital flow. Oh, yeah. uh, every country normally goes through challenges of balance of payment. Mm -hmm. And when there are less balance of payments, you want to borrow from institutions like the International Monetary Fund and other multilateral creditors, including bilateral uh, creditors. So you borrow because you're not selling enough. You are not exporting sufficiently to boost your reserves to enable your country import essentials and let it allow the economy to thrive and, and grow. What government normally does, like our own government, it has a platform uh, called the Treasury Bill Market 
or government uh, securities, which it sells out uh, to allow international and domestic players to buy into as a, a form of investment. When things are not going well in your own, in your country, something happens, whether in your country or globally, like happening the geopolitical pressures of uh, Russia, Ukraine, the foreign flows dwindle. The, what we found out that even where foreign flows dwindle and affect the exchange, you can count on your diaspora because they are somehow obligated to remit money to your country to support their families. Others are investing in farms, they are doing one or two activities. So under circumstances like that, you want to rely on your diaspora. So the only thing you have to do is get closer to them, assure them that this is your country, keep on remitting whatever you can remit, keep on investing, keep on sending money to support a relative, keep on doing something. And those flows account to uh, millions of US dollars. And that is what keeps many countries in Africa afloat. Not only in Africa, in many other jurisdictions in Latin America, in Asia, yeah. they have billions of dollars worth of uh, diaspora remittances. And this helps a lot. So that is my, my mission. Of course, tourism is another mission. It's, it's within the economic diplomacy and, and uh, consular services want to offer consular services of uh, international quality and if, uh, consular services are more than arranging passports for you and ensuring they are done in due time is also ensuring that travelers to Zambia uh, understand the procedures and processes of going there and we also want to facilitate for their travel. So that is really my vision. That's what we want to, to get out of. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you Good. for sharing. Good. Really elaborate. I was writing down some of the things that you were um, talking about in, in terms of investing back home. There's a lot of our Zambians, aside from sending money or building back home, um, I'll start from what opportunities have you seen that Zambians can invest in? Or even since we are building this partnership with uh, the US, what opportunities for non-Zambians also that can do you have that they can invest in, like opportunities? Let me start with the Zambians who are here in the USA or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, I know that there's a platform which is now uh, enabling Zambians in the diaspora to jointly pool the resources together. You know? It's more like um, an institutional arrangement participate in the treasury bills back home. As you know, that there are thresholds for you to bid, to invest. And treasury bills in Quacha terms is about half a million Quacha for you to directly participate in the, in the tender. But many Zambians don't have that amount of money for a one-off investment. So they go into what I may really call unit trust. Now, the diaspora have got a unit trust, a kind of a range that enables them to money together, invest in that platform, and then they can, they can collectively, like a collective scheme, invest and participate in Zambia securities, whether government bonds or treasury bills. Uh, so that's one way the diaspora can participate. They can also participate by way of investing in property. What we have done in this year is we brought two institutions to the USA that collaborated with the dust on how they can invest back home. Uh, one of them is APSA. So APSA got a product through which the diaspora can invest. Now, again, it goes hand in hand with the, the other arrangement for government securities. They can save their money, the APSA, and then through that, have a platform through which they can invest their money into the Bank of Zambia. But the main one I wanted to highlight is the Zambian National Building Society. Uh, I know that the minimum amount that required for a Zambian pay for a, a house 
is quite high. But for Zambians who are leveraging the exchange rate again, can easily participate in owning a house back home. You need a house back home. Now, what has been happening for many years, Zambians would entrust a, a relative. I know we know this story very well. Uh, it's now a publicized story where the relative will be updating you how far the construction of your house is going. They are sending you pictures. And at the end of the day, after three, four, five years, you go back to celebrate your home and find there's nothing. And where the house you are seeing, it was a neighbor's house under construction and was just getting the photos. The gentleman used the money to marry another wife. So <laughs> I'm yeah. just giving an example. I'm just, I'm just uh, that's... No, it is true. <laughs> it, it, listen, it, it is true. Yeah. Yes, so, we joke about it, but it's... Yeah. So true. It's so true. Yeah. So for, for the embassy, we are interested in that. Why is the embassy interested? Because once people in the diaspora realize that whatever they put across, because that money counts a lot. Once you remit money to construct it doesn't only count for the Bank of Zambia in terms of reserves, also counts in terms of the activity you are generating back home. Whether it's a house you're constructing or it's a business that you're running, that construction is engaging a local construction company that has got people it employs and those people it employs are earning an income to build your house and that company also pays taxes to government so it's a it's a chain reaction a positive chain reaction mm -hmm. now when the diaspora realize that whatever they're investing back home get materialized it is abused they stop they stop they hold on their money let us be honest the diaspora don't have it is even where they are <laughs> they everywhere the cost of living is very high it's a it's a huge struggle for everybody whether in Zambia or in the diaspora, the money doesn't come easy and you want to entrust your own people, maybe you have even borrowed that an entity. You know, the borrowing in this sense is that you have got a credit card, you are using your credit card to buy food and other things and yeah. then whatever you are earning elsewhere, you are sending it back home to build a house. So you're actually borrowing in a sense and now somebody's abusing the resource. So Zambians, what they do, they stop sending, they keep it here, they stop uh, giving us a chance as a country to develop. So we are interested, interested as an embassy of that to ensure that you don't stop sending money. Tract in business, tract your property or whatever in farm or chicken one want you to be at. So uh, getting uh, an institution like Zambia National Building Society to be the middle person for you helps us because ZNBS is a credible building society owned by government and would like you to ride on their credibility to continue your investment. It's either you buy a finished house, find a tenant immediately, you are emitting the assurance here that you are using your own resources pay off mortgage but it's spending something from a tenant back home and subsidizes what you are paying the NBS per month and what we want to encourage the diaspora therefore is that they can own property by using a credible institution which is called the NBS so they came here and did some road shows they went to Atlanta they were in New York I think and they came to DC uh, we are, we hosted them and that's another way by which the diaspora can invest back home they can invest in business in farms agriculture I was just talking to somebody recently who is investing in farms agriculture. Again, it's a tricky thing because I, I'm an entrepreneur myself. The danger of entrepreneurship is that if you are not there, you will not really know exactly what's happening to your business. Business yeah, runs yeah. well. Agriculture. It's very tricky to yeah. run it under remote. Uh, very, very, uh, you, you personally have. And there are many ways through which we are encouraging the diaspora now part of it. We've got the latest technologies now. You can actually supervise and run your business, your farm using latest technologies. 
no uh, now you can you can converse and see what's happening give directives directly from here every morning or you go on a zoom or whatever platform you're gonna use and also make it a habit every twice a year you go back there and spend two weeks uh, yeah. collaborate farmware get a great person so i always discourage getting a relative i encourage that you get a qualified person who will be accountable to you uh, uh, of course they're also not as, as reliable but you are taking a better risk a uh, better gamble on somebody who is qualified to run your farm but what you want to avoid in this case is subsidizing what normally happens they know you only doubt or they think got a lot of money so what if even if they mismanage the farm they know you will still send money to help but you need a credible person and you give benchmarks you give milestones that this is what i want you to achieve at this level if you achieve a b c d this is what is for you beyond the salary that motivates and yeah. enhances level of transparency and accountability now for the non um zambians there's there's a huge opportunities now we're encouraging we, we've got shortages for almost everything almost everything in the country now look at where we are positioned positioned as zambia we are land the new term is we are land linked. You know that's what they are saying. So that it, it unlocks the opportunity of having no access to the to the sea. Having no access to the sea should not be a curse. It should be an opportunity to save all these eight countries around you. When you look up north, uh, because of instability and so forth in the Democratic Democratic Republic of the Congo, oh, yeah. there's always shortfalls in terms. Of, they are looking for food. They are looking for meat. They are looking for maize. They are looking for soya. They are looking for almost everything consumable. They got good incomes from the mineral resources and other activities and are able to pay so much for uh, to the farmer. So then you look east um, with the climate change challenges we are facing now, you find countries like Tanzania and Malawi are always looking for food. Zimbabwe, for other reasons, is always looking for food. Yeah. Uh, you go, Angola is a great market. No, they, they, they just want, with the opening of the Lobito Corridor soon and the border with Zambia and Angola is uh, opening up now. We can relate well. There's another good market there for food. Uh, Botswana, there's a great market for food. Mozambique, a great market for food. So all these eight countries are looking at the Zambian um, opportunity for supply of food. This is where we are short and we are looking for investors from this market or else to co collaborate with us. we got massive arable suitable for agriculture and working hand in hand with the Millennium Challenge under the new arrangement. Now we are unlocking infrastructure arrangements inside for for any investor to have easy access to the market. So that's one area. We got shortages of energy. The whole of the Southern African region is now suffering from energy deficit. South Africa, which is the biggest market in the region, is actually having huge nightmares with uh, outages, no power cut. And uh, Zambia has been one of those supplying, but Zambia is also short now. So we are importing off Mozambique energy. We got the um, interconnectors, which uh, which are enable power to be supplied beyond our own borders. So that's another area we are asking for investors. There are many areas uh, under the African uh, continental free trade area now where you can look at the market not as Zambia. You set up your factory in Zambia for economies of scale benefit. You are looking at supplying to more than 50 countries. And this is a market potential of 1.3 billion people. And Zambia is the best destination for it. I can go on and on and on and articulate all these potential areas for investment in the country, uh, even under the PPP, which is public-private partnership. Oh, lovely. No, I, I see the passion and 
uh, this is why you are in the position that you are. Um, I know that, you know, as a leader, you usually would have, at least for here, you have your 90, you have your 30, 60, 90 plan. And uh, you've already uh, spoken about your mission. And within that mission, I know you've only been here for six. What what are like, I don't know if you've been able to find out yet, the three, maybe four opportunities that Zambians are facing here in the US or also around the world? This is in terms of, uh, maybe you can clarify that. Like just, just the challenges that they are facing. Or the challenges that the Zambians are facing. Yes, that you've heard of, that people have shared. Uh, what are those um, challenges and what are we doing about them? Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know whether I want to call it a challenge, but it's something that um, affect capacity for Zambians in the diaspora to fully express their capabilities. This has to do with perceptions that um, the diaspora are countries reject that. Let me put it well. There's a perception that when you leave the country here, you are doing you are doing shoddy job. Um, now that perception is very destructive. Yes, we have got a lot of Zambians who are doing all kinds of jobs here. Uh, the beautiful thing is that earning an income. They are using their capabilities to earn an income and they are supporting their relatives, families back home. I visited um, a, a, a hospital for old people in California recently, about two weeks ago, and I found it's managed basically by Zambia. These are Zambians who worked in the hospitals in Zambia, they worked in different government entities, and but the major thing that they have and they are offering is the hospitality. For the first time, I was able to to appreciate the value of our loving nature, mm. our uh, openness as a people, um, our kindness. We have heard many times that Zambians are good people. I've met many, many Americans, British who have been Zambia. Mm-hmm. And one thing they will tell you very, very quickly that Zambians are very nice people. But I've always joked and said, but being nice does not feed you. Now I have realized that actually being nice, being loving, being kind can be monetized. And these Zambians who travel to countries like here and provide services to take care of elderly people, for example. I'm just giving that as an example. That is not a shoddy job. That is a job that is is goes with your character, your personality. It, it, it can be quite irritating if you're not professional enough to take care of some. Mm-hmm. Zambians by nature and their kindness and love have ended up being high professionals in these institutions. So they're not only earning an income, they're able to provide a service that many other people cannot easily give. So we need to go off this thinking that Zambians who are in the diaspora are doing shoddy job, dying matter. So long you are providing a service according to your own professional, and you are not stealing money. The yeah. shoddy job is stealing money. The shoddy job is prostitution. That is drug trafficking. That is a shoddy thing. Yeah. That one, nobody's proud of it. But any job that is legally uh, acceptable and offers a service of this nature, cleaning up, whether it's the environment, whether it's garbage, it, it's a great thing. And I was motivating most of these Zambians. So, look, you have had the exposure 
this exposure is not for nothing. Every environment needs to be managed. What have you learned here that in future you can get back to Zambia and set up and establish companies that can do that? So I, I, I would like the Zambian the diaspora not to see, not 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 to feel like they are, they are not doing the thing that Zambians want, the white collar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have many Zambian the diaspora doing incredible. Others are managing high-profile institutions. Tonight, I'm having dinner with uh, Dr. Uh, Mono, who is president of a university college in New York. This, this college is training pilots. Most of these pilots who fly a train and who is the president. The Zambian who has been president for 10 years and they just renewed his contract. So there are Zambians who work for high institutions that work in ICT, in they work in um, um, uh, Silicon Valley. You, you have Zambians holding very powerful positions in medicine. They are the highly respected physicians in the USA, neurologists and so forth. So I, I want Zambians not to see this as a hurdle. Let us be a proud people that we are here in the diaspora to unlock, help unlock this country in whatever way possible. And as we are unlocking it, we are earning something that is supporting our country back. No, I completely agree with you. I think there's that shame of, um, because we all of us are connected to our families back home. And then when you call and they say you and I went to school together and you, you hear, oh, he's now a diplomat and what are you doing? You mopping people's floors in uh, in in Long Island or somewhere. Yeah. Like for me, when I first came here, yeah. I mean, I was young still. I was doing babysitting and cleaning people's homes. It's, it's part of your story. I think we are awesome. all called to do um, something on yeah. this earth yeah. and some people are called to take care of others. And uh, I've actually thought of, um, I mean, here they're called nursing homes. I'm like, when I went home in May, I was like, wow, you know, can you imagine having a nursing home here in Zambia? Yes, we are. We want to take care of our parents. But a lot of the times when they are older, I like that they here, the older parents are together. They can relate to each other. And it doesn't even need to be a nursing home. It could be a daycare. Like here in New York, we do have a daycare for older um, parents. And they go to hang out with each other. They they can relate. And like having them at home, sitting at yeah. home and a lot yeah. of them are frustrated yeah. like, my, my yeah. grandmother is home with my mom yeah. she doesn't yeah. do much yeah. because she wants to do her own thing if she went to the place like a daycare for um, her fellow age mates they can relate hey we grew up this way this is what I did when I was growing up What, however they um, get to know each other in, in that space yeah. but yeah. I I definitely understand where you're, you're um, yeah. coming from yeah. Yeah. yeah and of course they also face other challenges you are far away from home um, you get sick that's a very big challenge you know um, others die here that's a very very big challenge we have had many Zambians who are jailed but not as many as what but we have Zambians who have been jailed for one or two things yeah. and that's a very big challenge because your family are back home they may not afford to come and see you um, I, I think issues of uh, health uh, death been the biggest challenge that uh, most uh, Zambians the diaspora are facing and others, uh, um, their status has changed in the USA. Uh, They came here on a valid, on a visa for two, three years and suddenly it expires. They may want to get back home. How do they get back home? And they'll be asked questions. So there are all these issues that uh, when you're being in the diaspora, you're facing and uh, it's the job of the embassy to understand the status of every Zambia. I know previously people are even scared to provide data when they arrive. They don't want to register with the embassy to tell us that 
they are here uh, and, and I understand the fear that perhaps we may disclose, <laughs> share that information elsewhere. Ours is to manage and give advisory services and perhaps support our people. How do they get supported when their status has changed? Uh, we don't want to be in a position to visit you now in prison when it's too late. We'd rather have Capture Zambians provide advisory services even before your status changes so that you are able to do something early now. It's really nice. Um, that actually also brings me, I had a conversation with Dr. Sam Sanjay and um, he did send the episode that him and I recorded and uh, he is a big advocate for life insurance and yes. a lot of us Zambians, like you mentioned, we all have different states where we are. Some do have life insurance and the GoFundMe is slowly going away and it's not that for, it's not that Zambians don't want don't want to contribute. I think all of us feel the compassion when someone is going through a hardship. People cannot afford because they have their own responsibility. Is there anything in place? God forbid something happens. Our fellow Zambian to myself, we have a lot of students, something happens to them. What is in place for someone's body to be taken back home. Well, a lot of people, they want to be buried back home. Yeah. Um, I understand the, what I call the moral hazard. Moral hazard is uh, people believing that if anything happens to me, I'll always, always rely on the Zambians in the diaspora to manage me out of a problem. Zambians have been very involved. GoFundMe uh, arrangements. They have patriated bodies back to Zambia through those contributions. People mm -hmm. make the contributions. And I want to thank the many Zambians who have totally responded to those SOSs. They have really been very generous. They have been very agile, helping um, one another. Uh, and and it, but it shouldn't be abused. I'm saying this because there are people who now seriously believe I don't have to uh, undertake policies under this conventional market. No, the, 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 the US market is big enough, able to respond uh, using the conventional means to challenges of health insurance and funeral and others. There are these arrangements. Um, of course, it's also understandable because the premiums here for insurance are really, really high. Extremely high. Um, never really understood this because if I, I, there are times where I want to convert because I pay also insurance here. And it's if I were to convert what I pay for insurance into Zambian culture, I pay 30,000 culture per month for health insurance. 30,000 quarter. That is far more than I can pay for health insurance in Zambia for the whole year. By far. That's far more than I can pay for health insurance in Zambia for the whole year. And yet here is what I pay per month. So when you have insurance policy policies that are that high in terms of premium, many Zambians would resort to GoFundMe arrangement that if anything happens, I'll appeal to my fellow Zambians to respond. What is happening today is that the embassy is motivating uh, for easier management of uh, some of these eventuality. We are in collaboration with uh, Zambia insurance companies, provided there is a collaboration with the U.S. market and the U.S. regulator to ensure some of these, uh, to take up some of these policies back home, such as um, funeral, when you die. Mm -hmm. you know, it's much cheaper to have a Zambian insurance company repatriate your body from here. Because all they do is start to pay for the, for the morticians and for the airline to ship your body back home. You don't need an American insurance company or policy, whatever company here, you can use a Zambian company. And there are 
many of those who have now engaged the Zambians in the diaspora. So the um, the Maryland, what we Maryland, uh, Virginia DMV group, the DMV Maryland DC. There's this association of Zambians within the D the court uh, DMV. Okay. Uh, this is uh, District of Columbia, Virginia, and uh, Maryland. The Association of Zambians have apparently even started a, a policy together where they have, I suspect, to be Madison Life who's come in to offer funeral insurance. So that's one way. And Philadelphia also, uh, Philadelphia, Zambians in Philadelphia got another arrangement together to support insurance. They pull together uh, insurance for diaspora. You see, the way insurance works is sums up the risks. So if uh, all diaspora are able to come together as a pool and say we want to ourselves together and take policies and the, 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 the higher the number you are, the, the, the better in terms of premiums you pay. Yes. So I would motivate Zambians to initiate among the associations policies that go towards health insurance and funeral management. Um, this can work and it's already working for some. That's what I want to motivate for. Uh, we should slowly move away from contributions. I know it's a noble cause. It means a lot for people to come in and support. You see what happens is uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a question of if I don't contribute and it happens to me, mm-hmm. they will not contribute. So I have to contribute so that if it happens to me, I can also contribute. But now we have got market arrangements that guarantee the level of contribution so that you are not, so that the contributions are uniform. It's not like who can afford $50, $100, $200, please put it. You are now having a market arrangement where you don't have to appeal to Zambian. Everybody now contributes towards this pool uh, at the time uh, you have resources and it's a regular contribution. So I want to encourage this because to also help us as a mission. You see, as a mission, we don't have resources to, to repatriate the body. We don't have resources to pay your medicals when you are hospitalized and there is no insurance. We don't have the resources. Government doesn't even give us that resource for that. So we also re- rely on the market systems provide for you and we all go to the diaspora and say, look, there's a problem. Somebody was not insured. How can you respond to that? But would rather have a market arrangement and we can give that guidance to this embassy. If it's a question of endorsing and validating these associations through a registered body here in the USA, the embassy is willing to offer that. Also, like the agencies that you are mentioning, these are, they take in everybody and anybody, right? As long as you are Zambian, yeah. you don't necessarily have to have the papers and stuff because some of our community members, they are scared to go to um, these insurance companies because of some, yes, pa- some documentation that might be needed. Yeah, yeah they are status. And, and that's why we need, we are still working on that to find how best we attend to sign. Because when something happens to you, you're still appealing to these Zambians. Is there another way we can manage this this event? Um, I know it's hard for Zambians who have been here, they are out of status. How do they, they, do, they, they even going back home, you'll be asked, how did you stay here? So you're, you're not so sure about your consequences. So it's, it's, it's really a catch-22 situation. You, know? you want to go back home, but how do you just exit the port? Because they'll ask, you overstayed for three years. Where were you? Your passport says you are, it expired, your visa arrangement expired three years ago. So again, you're afraid of that cartridge. Uh, we, we as an embassy want to be interested to know what are these issues so that some of them may require a diplomatic arrangement. You know, there are issues that require diplomatic That's why we are here, is to, to see how do we address such issues. So when there's a diplomatic arrangement, we, we, we get the support of the, 
the hosting country that will say, okay, who are those? They're where we can arrange this and manage. Are they willing to go back home? Um, so I can't go into the detail of that, but that's why the embassy exists to negotiate, to right. discuss, make arrangements with the host country. But we need to know who those people are and are uh, they willing to go back home? If they are staying here, um, how is their status validated? Uh, I'm not saying that embassy has to do that for each one of those candidates. We, we do a block uh, negotiation and say, this is the status of our people and they are where we can be helped in the country to validate their citizenship so that they avoid going through unconventional means of ending a status. Some are, 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 are looking for a husband or, or wives and end up even marrying where they are not supposed to marry. You know, it's kind of a challenging thing and they are not doing it for love, which we are interested in a solid marriage. They are doing it just to end a status, which I think is not is not favorable. In the long term, it's not sustainable and uh, it's a risk for our citizens. So talking about passports, so I my passport expired uh, a while back. My Zambian passport, I had yeah. two. <laughs> my, my passport expired and I reached out to the office, the DC one. I called multiple times. They emailed me the paperwork, very communicative. I got the paperwork, filled out whatever I had to do. Um, I sent the paperwork uh, to our mission here. And uh, unfortunately, the person that was handling my paperwork did not communicate they're going to be leaving the country for good. So nothing happened. I went home in May and I did my thing. So for anybody who's not able to go home, how long is the process to renew our passport? We have in the past uh, two months, we have changed our strategy. That passports don't have to stay long in Zambia. Once you fill in the form and passport, the immigration department passes everything, we send to Zambia. We no longer wait for the diplomatic bag, but there's a diplomatic bag that carries passport. But we cannot send one, two, three passport. We have to, and we cannot just send it just for passports. We have to wait for other documents that have to be sent to So when it fills up, that's when we send it, because of course. So we find that passport to be with us for two months, three months. And when it gets to Zambia, it still stays there for two, three months, be shipped back here. We have changed that now. We send passports using Korea. We use our own manners embassy. Once we get the passport, uh, we courier it to SAC. We use um, DHL and others to send it to SAC so that it's there very quickly. Uh, we wait for maybe two, three, four, five passports we send. Don't have to wait for a month or something. Uh, once a week or so, we send it by Korea. And getting it here, we always look for embassy staff. Like now, somebody's coming back this week. Our One of our people here at the embassy, we write a letter to our foreign affairs, say, look, we have got one of our diplomats with the country for leave, and is coming back here. Can you hand those passports, whatever has, are available, please give those passports. Then. Why the letter is important is because once you reach the immigration here, they find you with a lot of passports. They have to ask you, how come you, are, you, you have these passports with you? And they will destroy them. Yeah. So those passports carried will be carried with an official letter, with an official death stamp to explain that this individual post passport number so, so, so has in their possession these passports and itemized by one to whatever. So that once you reach immigration, they are declared mm. and uh, they are seen, they are really accepted as official documents, courier delivered to the embassy for distribution to them. So there's an official uh, process we have embarked on to make it much more efficient and effective. Yeah, because that process, I, I really got frustrated. So and a lot of, well, I've gotten a lot of Zambians also complaining about it. So at least now there's a better solution with that. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have to travel.
travel to DC, right? Well, you still have to travel, unfortunately, because of the constitution. That one we cannot change. We can't change the constitution. It requires that the immigration officer have to see you. Uh, and the reason is we have had um, Zambians here who have done some things um, and when we look they have got Jason Mbewe which is a typical Zambian name or they have got uh, Mulenga Musepa or Mulenga something genuine Zambian name uh, but you find that they're actually not Zambian they're from some other funny country they got a passport using some fake means they get it and that's why the law says you, the immigration officer has to see you and verify validate that you are the one so the way we're approaching it is identifying uh, uh, cities or states where there's a higher concentration of Zambians. We are starting the experiment. Uh, we are starting the experiment this month. <laughs> we are starting the experiment this month where our uh, best secretary for immigration will be going to Seattle. We're going to Seattle on the 23rd, 24th, and we'll spend two days uh, announcing to all uh, all those in Seattle who want to renew their pass, come to this hotel <laughs> where our immigration person will be there to Fill the, get your forms filled in before he comes so that he just comes there and validates everything himself. It's much cheaper that way yeah. uh, than each individual flying here to DC. So we are identifying Seattle will be the first one in the experiment this month and we're looking at uh, Dallas, Dallas, Texas in the, is it the same? I, I still get confused. Dallas, Texas? Dallas is in Texas, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Dallas, Texas is identified. Chicago is identified. Uh, New yeah. York of course, um, and then we Atlanta, Georgia, so and California. California, Seattle is part of that. California, so we we we, we are starting that experiment to see no, that's uh, uh, how it works. No, yeah. that, 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 that's uh, great changes. Yeah, uh, because in my case, I I did speak to um, someone at the embassy because I looked at uh, how much it was going to cost me to get there, and because of time, um, I did ask if I could go to our mission here in New York, have one of the representatives see me, see my papers and communicate that I am actually the actual person, see all of my IDs, my registration card, everything. They they were on board with it, yeah. with, with that way. So for, I guess, state where, um, I guess we have representatives, uh, Zambian representatives, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, and, and we shall also have consular officers. We are going to have consular officers. We are just we're starting the strategy. California will have a consular officer since in Los Angeles or so. Mm-hmm. That one can also be used. We are supposed to have one in Texas. Uh, we're supposed to have uh, um, in Chicago. We are identifying about four or five areas where we have consular offices so that Zambians don't have to travel. Got it, got it. Um, I mean, elections are coming soon. So, <laughs> um, are the Zambians <laughs> going to be allowed to vote in the diaspora? We, we, that is our expectation. That is our expectation. We some three months ago the Mrs. Mangala's Salamis, the commissioner, the, senior, the commissioner for the Zambia Electoral Commission, did assure the public that there was some ongoing testing, um, some um, simulations going on at the commission to see if it would work. Now this is a t- technology, so there are some kind of technological tests to see how we can accommodate Zambians in the dust. We haven't been told the results. I'm, I suppose they're still going on with the tests and the experiments mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be briefed at some opportune time about how this can work. We are hoping, really hoping, that it should be successful. I have observed other nationals 
Baltic. Recently, I saw Poland, the Polish, right opposite my the residence. We saw a long queue in the morning and we're wondering what this long queue of people, long, long, long queue, what it was all about. And we just had to ask and say, no, we are actually voting. No, in fact, I Googled. I had to Google what is, the, <laughs> what is happening in well, this area. They go. So they said there was a news item that uh, Polish nationals are queuing up in these areas for voting. It's a voting day for Poland. And it's starting a day before. So I said, well, this is great. We can have this, you know, for, for Zambians. Uh, we can have central, if there's uh, security concerns, we can have central places uh, where Zambians can go vote. New York, Maryland, you know, put a central place, New York, Chicago, Texas, and Seattle, whatever. You can have this centralized, yeah. manage it better. And uh, it would really change the dynamics concerning um, accountability, transparency in our governance system. Zambians now feel they have a say in their own government back home. Uh, unlike where you're just on social media, Facebook campaigning and um, showing your, expressing your voices and yet not having the power, authority to put a government of choice in power. No, it was said. It's really um, because we do contribute to the government in one way or yeah. another. Yeah. And the only thing that's missing right now is that piece of voting. I mean, prisoners are allowed to vote in Zambia. Yeah, so yeah. we are contributing to the government yeah. and we should somewhat be allowed to have a voice as it yeah. comes into government yeah. um, as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's exciting. And a lot of Zambians, I'm sure they're looking forward to that as Absolute. well. Absolutely. Um, talking about us, you know, when we go into the diaspora, we start to build families. I've been here now 21 years. I have two little ones. Um, they recently took them back home. They were excited to see the culture um, they're four and now nine and um, how do we preserve our culture here in the diaspora in uh, you know just being in the US and even where everyone is around the world what was being done to maintain our culture to have our families because ultimately we've built our families here as well there, there are many ways available but I, I think some of this require the full participation uh, of the diaspora, the respons responsiveness uh, with the diaspora. Mm -hmm. And our job is to facilitate. There is a group of Zambians, for example, who wanted to bring in Zambian mu musicians to the USA during the independence uh, arrangement. And they couldn't come because the USA looked at the music and said, look, but this music is not really Zambian culture. We want something that's typically Zambian culture, okay? Uh, because they have come on a certain visa. Now, the, the, the issue here is there are platforms we can use uh, to assimilate Zambians into their own culture. I I believe these musicians are coming to perform Zambian music in a local language. The first, the first culture is your language. Yes. And your children want to know the Silozi. They want to speak, to hear a, a song performed in Silozi. Because they'll be asking, what does that mean? And then they'll be asking questions about the dance. Why they dance that word? Um, what is So we want to motivate Zambians to come up with various initiatives and leverage different platforms like Pendence Day to enhance culture. I was very excited when I officiated at this year's Independence anniversary. I did this to different cities. I did Philadelphia. I did it in uh, um, uh, in, in Los Angeles and finally uh, ended up with um, Chicago, which was organized by Olsa. 
know, the awesome platforms be huge. Nice. You notice it in the cultural um, arrangement of the whole event. They brought there were three ladies who are I, I don't know whether they are, they live here now, uh, but they were all in the cultural dance. You know, nice. they were they were actually even better than what I've seen back home. You know, the dressing, the dance, the, everything around it was typical Zambian. Nice. So, but this didn't come from the embassy. It was an arrangement by the dust to enhance a cultural issue. And all we can motivate is that we shouldn't wait for the independence state to have that group of Zambians. Those three ladies, they should move from state to state. Uh, on, on weekends, maybe um, four times a year, they move to different states and uh, perform at a, a, a function where these are not high-profile functions. These are just events where you can take your children so that they are family kind of events where you cook Zambian food. Those cultures in the language, the dance is in the the symbols is also in the food um you're talk, telling me about mufu and uh litapi from mongo um now can you imagine if that that family event and you orient your children to this fish i i doubt that they eat the dry fish no um, no my daughter, they don't so it smells yeah. too bad because they say it smells but <laughs> yeah. there's a starting point when they see this event and high profile people eating it they say mommy can i test a little bit of it and they start by testing it or seeing it. If they don't like it, they will still want to cook it for somebody, knowing that this is part of our own culture at Zambia. So this, these are some of the initiatives we are pushing as an embassy. There are other initiatives that we're encouraging. Um, Monswa, Dr. Monswe, Dr. Monswe, and uh, another lady, what's her name? I have her name here, um, who visited me recently. These are Zambians who are, who are t- temple. I think it's Ms. who visited me recently. She came, and then there's Dr. Monsway, uh, who should be maybe Atlanta, I can't remember, Dallas, I think. Uh, Dr. Monsway has a platform, uh, an online platform, where he is teaching Chitonga to Zambia and the diaspora. And now I encourage him, don't only teach to the the, the children of Chitonga parents who are here. Let your children learn Chitonga as well. Yes, I'm I'm about to sign up for that on YouTube. um, I can't remember. It's a platform. He came to Zambia to he invited me to see the launch, and I witnessed the launch of it. Um, oh. it, it, it children learn different language. Uh, Miss Temple is t- she's she's from the east, interestingly, but she's teaching Chibemba at at um, Harvard. You know, there's a, in Harvard in, um, in uh, Boston. She she teaches Bemba. <laughs> okay, in Harvard. Uh, well, not that university, so, but she's uh, she works for the Harvard University, but she also has her own personal. Uh, she also has a library back home, of course, in Rwanda, but she also has this platform where she teaches Chibemba to children, okay? In the, and I think it's an online platform too. This We are encouraging this kind of arrangement. And our own lady here, the first secretary for tourism, is encouraging a, a lot of cultural exchange. Um, so cultural exchange is part of our tourism. It's not only about uh, Americans going to Zambia. It's about having uh, exhibitions that depict Zambian culture. 
culture. So that's why you find different foods being sold, different things that we use as Zambians and drums, Zambians. And we would encourage that you bring your children to such events. They're able to ask a lot of questions where we are coming from. What about this Zambian flag? What about the coat of arms? Who are the first president of Zambia? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, where is he now? How did he die? What, what was his major influence? Yeah. How many presidents have we had as a country? Mm-hmm. And what is the diversity like in terms of Zambia? How many languages do we have in Zambia? What is it like to be in Zambia? Mom, I want to travel. I want to go there. I want to see where, where should I go? I hear my friends at school who, who have heard I come from Zambia. They ask me where your parents come from. I tell yeah. them they come from Zambia. And one of the girls at the school said, oh, me, I went to the Victoria Falls. But mom, me, have never, what is this Victoria Falls? Why are Americans talking about it? And yet I know nothing about it. So some of these questions are answered being those exhibitions. They are able to help your children understand where we are coming from, what we stand for, and what matters most to us as Zambia. When do, do, uh, does she hold the exhibitions? Maybe... She gets invited many places, uh, though she's restricted this to Maryland, D.C., uh, because of the resources. But she, next year, from next year, she will have these roadshows. That is part of our, our strategy. She just came from... Um, Pittsburgh, what is it called? Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the place. She just Don't came worry. from there. Yeah, yeah, time. Right. <laughs> she just came from there last week. She spent a whole day exhibiting at that particular event. It was a very big event. People are bringing in from different countries, and she exhibited about Zambia, uh, different things about Zambia, and able to explain what we stand for. So you watch out for, look out for that. I can see on your picture here, like the chitenge there, the earrings. All these are cultural issues. You don't have to tell me where this person is coming from. Even if you removed the map from it, I'm still able to see the way the Chitenge is sitting and the earrings. I'm able to see this is Zambia, okay? So this is what we are not there. The way we do the, the head cut as, as Zambia. That's just the way we do it. It's the way we have our own earring style. So uh, this is a culture. And we want your children to grow appreciating why you have something like that. Uh, they one day will be our key ambassadors for tourism because they're saying look i wasn't born in zambia but my parents have been from zambia and i i want to support my country that's my route and one day your your children will be encouraging people to go and uh, americans to go and uh, visit uh, kuomboka no, I, met an, I, I met an american lady uh, two days ago and she's an ambassador i had an Kongo and attended kuomboka oh, she wow. said it was so fascinating then i said but uh, I have been there once myself, but I didn't um, buy it that much because of the crowd. Though I went to see the, the Litunga, gave him gifts at the Aloi, but the crowd that says, no, 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 for me, they looked, they looked at me and said, ah, this one is a foreigner. So they decided to take me in front to have access. So uh, your children can actually start inventing around. And your children, because they are, this is how we want to assimilate culture, your, your children are better exposed to this market. They understand technology. They understand many ways of innovating around. So yeah. they can go to a combo and, and look at it and say, why is this not being held every year? And they'll be taught that because of it depends on water. Yeah. The climate change now. With this climate change, how do we sustain combo? How can people still have a simulated feeling of water even when there's no water? So that is held every year. Whether there's water and no water, there should be something around the park to give a feeling of combo. 
other people can plan and not yet have been counseled. To have that happen requires children of your kind begin to work at collaboratively with the embassy and say, how do we make sure we innovate around Kumboka to make it an event not entirely dependent on availability of work? You're giving me memories with Kumboka, yeah. eh? <laughs> <laughs> I've only attended it one time. And I, I just also just went there once. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was at, um, visiting my grandmother. She lived right down where they... Um, they in Mulunga? The, the boat. Yes, in Mulunga. Yeah, so yeah. I was literally on the roof, standing on the roof while mm-hmm. the, the chief is, uh, is mm-hmm. walking down. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, it was really interesting. Yeah, Like, remembering yeah. it now, it was really interesting. And I yeah. see, I, I saw the fuss around it. I'm like, okay, this is why it's such a fuss every year. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but really, really beautiful. Um, yes, no, uh, when she's going around, uh, next year is around the corner. I mean, yeah, November. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll look forward to that. I'd love to take my kids around yes. our culture. Yes. I just took them to the South African one. Actually, they had um, a culture event and it was really nice. My daughter Very was good. so curious, asking so many Very questions. Yeah. And a lot of those questions were being asked. Yeah. So I like to expose them to a lot. And uh, of course, our my home country for them to truly Absolutely. understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I've asked you a lot of questions. So <laughs> do you have anything else you'd like to share before we close this up? Well, just to appreciate that uh, there's a huge focus by concrete uh, pastures to l- look at the interests of Zambians. I never thought I would be an ambassador myself. It never, never, not even once, it never occurred to me that wow. one day I'll be an ambassador. Um, coming here, I was asking questions, being an ambassador. Now that I'm here, I do say to myself, the president saw more than I did by asking me to come to this place. He saw more than I did because um, not only am I networking at very high level with the uh, diplomatic community, with the U.S. government, it has given me a chance mm. to enable the diaspora appreciate the value of their own mission here. And uh, we want to get closer to the diaspora. It will take us time, uh, but the first thing we want to see within the diaspora family is unity and love. We want to destroy the myth that we are divided because of ethnicity back home. Yes, in Zambia, we, we may be talking about me, I'm this tribe, whatever, that doesn't matter. We may be looking at the political inclinations and biases, but as embassy of Zambia, we are not political. We are a professional body and we want to see this among our diaspora. We want to encourage our diaspora that, yes, you can have your own political inclinations. That is normal. That's better. That's okay. You can even share on Facebook, whatever. But we would not like that to divide us because there's so much that brings us together diaspora than that we are in a unique country out there. We are out of home. And we, if we cannot unite outside home, then we cannot win and leverage the opportunities that come to any one of us. We are here to deliver. You came here as an individual, whether to study, whether to work, whatever you came for. But under, under one Zambia, one nation, we want to deliver together. Thank you so much. And uh, appreciate no. Oh, I, I truly appreciate it. And I'm glad that the president did uh, nominate you because don't underestimate yourself. You do have an intensive resume. And I did take a look for anybody. Guys, go to our website, zambianembassy.org. You can definitely see his intense resume, what he's been able to achieve throughout his lifetime. There's so much to learn from him. This is why, aside from him being a 
representative of us. I really wanted just to sit and learn from him. And it's such an honor to have you here. Thank you. And uh, I hope you come back uh, a year from now after six months. It's six months in. It's it's a lot of pressure, but I'm glad I caught you. <laughs> um, so the last question I usually ask at this point, you're six months in, do you feel you found your concrete pastures? Uh, not yet. Uh, I'll find my concrete pastures in about uh, a month or so once we launch the strategic plan. Uh, as you know, I'm also studying, by the way, I'm about to defend my thesis. Um, oh, wow. Yes, I am, but I'm just waiting for the day to defend it. It has been an ultimate desire for me to have a PhD. I don't want to have that PhD uh, address as Chiba, but I don't want people to call me a doctor, whatever. I, I did it for a specific reason. And ah. this is what my concrete pastor is, to enable me to have a level of authority on specific issues of governance back home. Nice. I want to ensure not political governance, but institutional and corporate governance, how the public sector is managed. That is where I want to leave my legacy uh, back apart from what I want to do for my own family. This has been such an honor. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's it on today's episode. It's truly an honor to serve each and every dreamer. Concrete Pastures now provides targeted services to dreamers coming to the U.S. of A. We assist you to successfully integrate. We are here to support you as you write your new chapter. Kindly check out our services in the link tree. Until next time, keep dreaming.